Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So the other day, Kirby Smart was being interviewed on ESPN, like a podcast, whatever. It was uh, Pete Thamel and Reese Davis who were doing the interview. And in the midst of this discussion, really kind of right at the beginning of the discussion, Kirby Smart was asked a question about Georgia going for its third straight national championship, or as we say around here, go for three in 23. Now, in the midst of this answer, Kirby Smart kind of reiterated something that he said before, which is that trying to find the right level of motivation as you seek such a unique accomplishment is not necessarily an easy thing to do and he also in the midst of talking about this i thought from the perspective of a george fan was kind of cool he also kind of acknowledged just how special it would be if georgia could win a third straight national championship uh, to me this is really interesting stuff from kirby smart and as georgia gets ready to begin its game week it'll be back obviously between the hedges we'll all be there on saturday for georgia and tennessee martin seems appropriate to kind of play this kind of overarching state of the program type statement from Kirby Smart on an ESPN podcast show last week it also sets us up for the conversation we want to have today so let me let me play this for you as we kick off our week Kirby Smart on with ESPN well when you think about how many times it's been done I think Reese that's that's the the precipice you say well why is it so hard to do what makes it so difficult it's a lot of the same things that make it hard to repeat you know, to get to, that's not a, a common feat either, but you know, well, as I do, we don't focus on that, that, that third one or, or trying to get the three peak. That's not a focal point for us. We really don't talk about it. We don't worry about it. I get the hype around it because when you think about how little it's been done, it, it, it can be a special thing, but uh, we, we've got a lot of new players. So uh, a lot of those new players are hungry. And, you know, my biggest concern right now is fighting complacency because you've got, this senior and junior class who've all won one let me give you kind of a side point here really quick and then i want to get to the main point after that i think it's really cool that kirby smart says i get the hype around this i get why fans and i would put myself in the obviously that fan category even though i'm media type i i get the you know i'm kind of in the fan category certainly too and kirby smart says hey for those who love college football for those who love and care about georgia football I get why there's a lot of hype around go for three and 23. I get that. And Smart understands the historic nature of the accomplishment. Now, he says inside the building, they're not necessarily talking a lot about that. But the idea that he is not afraid to acknowledge, yes, it would be a huge deal if Georgia will win the national championship again. There's just a level of like genuine honesty to that that I kind of find sort of refreshing. But the main point here is at the end of that clip, Kirby Smart also says, hey, we got young players stepping onto the field in maybe a starting role for the first time. One of those is Carson Beck. We'll talk more about him coming up in a moment. So they've got their own level of motivation because they want to put their own fingerprints on this trophy for, for the first time. But we've also got junior and senior players who've been a part of some championship success now. And how do we motivate them? How do we keep them from becoming complacent? He says, that's something as a team, as a coaching staff, we're kind of dealing with here right now. Well, guess what? I got great news for Kirby Smart. Many of you already know this. We were already talking about this some this weekend i was kind of 
unplugged for a little while on Saturday because I was working high school football on Peachtree TV, the Great Atlanta Bash. Didn't get a chance to see all of ESPN's college game day, kind of a new look game day and not a better look than it has been in the past. But nonetheless, it's a different topic for a different day. The point is, a lot of you were very well aware right away that an entire kind of like clean sweep of the ESPN analysts on ESPN college game day, they all picked Alabama to win the SEC. In fact, let me show you the visual image that I think was kind of all over over social media on saturday you see pat mcafee hamming it up cheesing for the camera as he typically does you see kirk curb streak uh once again the sort of perfect embodiment of the current mainstream media low on information high on confidence straight line there of desmond howard pat mcafee kirk curb street all picking alabama to win the sec so for kirby smart who says Hey, I'm not quite so sure I'm going to motivate my team, my juniors, my seniors. How do I get them fired up to come back and do this again? How do I get them fired up and ready to go to go for three and 23? Well, listen, if that doesn't work for you, I don't know what's going to because everybody at ESPN thinks this is still 2015 and Alabama is somehow still on top of the college football world. And by the way, this is not a new conversation. This is not, we're not Johnny come lately to all of this. We've been talking about this all summer long because these ESPN types have been out running their mouth all summer long about georgia or should say alabama or michigan or whatever else but pretty much anything besides georgia because the two guys you just saw if you're watching on video pat mcafee kirk herbstreet they were talking about this back during the summer and i said before you know herbstreet sort of low on information high on confidence he put that on full display back in the early part of the summer essentially re-racking the same old dusty tire take that failed for him a year ago uh, he brings it back again this year and just sort of hopes nobody will notice fully bought in on Alabama the graphic we just showed painted that picture but this was Herb Street's explanation for that going back to the summer can we hear Kirk Herb Street on with Pat McAfee kind of explaining that and now the storyline seemingly the big one takeaway is like is Kirby smart John Cena to the rock <laughs> Nick Saban you know is your time is up my time is now is that is that a whole part of this entire conversation like Saban's not going to go be, 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 don't you got you got to be a step ahead of everything in, in this world right be really careful of listening to oh, David Pollock said there's a new it's a new that's right when Alabama comes back yes. and yeah. just throws their trump card down and whips everyone's I, I I'm I haven't even really like dug in I'm already leaning to Alabama to win the national championship <laughs> <laughs> just when you say Nick's done Alabama's done Kirby's goodbye here comes Alabama they're gonna win it all so if I'm betting right now I don't even know what it says in Vegas. I'm betting Alabama to win the national championship. I love I would say at this point it's guaranteed. We'll see it with injuries and what happens, but do not sleep on Bama. There's no better example of the divide that currently exists between ESPN, who kind of only cares about college football during the fall, and the audience for college football on ESPN, which cares about it 12 months a year. We are Dog Nation daily. We do this show each and every day. Our audience, the people who give us a chance to make a living and feed our families, our audience cares about college football each and every day. Kirk Kerbstreet's supposed to be the most prominent voice, the most prominent analyst in the sport, and he's like, back in the summer, I haven't really started paying attention to college football yet. I'm not even really sure what the yes, what the uh, gambling odds are yet, but I'm going to give you a half-cocked opinion anyway. There's nothing that sort of speaks to the divide between ESPN way up in its ivory tower uh, and, and the college football fans that kind of keep ESPN in business, at least for now. 
Uh, there's nothing that speaks to the divide more than the idea of I'm not really watching this stuff too closely, but you know what? It sort of feels fun to say Alabama. And that's the pick that uh, Kirk Kirkstreet wants to make. And by the way, he goes on TV a couple of months later and makes kind of the same thing, along with McAfee and uh, Desmond Howard and all of that, about the idea that Alabama wins the SEC championship. And you know what? If you're a Georgia fan, you ought to be fired up about this. I mean, I, I think that you have every right to kind of use this as your own personal motivation, your own fodder to sort of get ready for the upcoming season. And you'll be happy to know that I mentioned before that Kirk uh, Kirby Smart had made an appearance with ESPN just a few days ago and even though what what Smart told Reese Davis then was before all this happened on Saturday the actual response I think is a perfect response to all of this the idea that ESPN is just out there hoping and pleading and begging for somebody else other than Georgia to please win this national champion of the season because we'll have something to talk about then we can't think of anything to talk about if it's Georgia again we need some new stuff we need some new material and therefore some new team provides all of that and Herb Street's version of that this year has been Alabama Reese Davis the host of the show his version of that's been Michigan and he acknowledged to Kirby Smart during this interview last week that 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 uh that he had picked Michigan and Davis who we you know typically speaking kind of like okay but davis who uh you know admitted admits to kirby smart here that he picked michigan also told on georgia fans to kirby smart because apparently as reese davis would tell it these georgia fans have been real mean to him they've hurt his feelings ever since he picked somebody else other than georgia to win this year's uh national championship or at least ranked him number one here for right now and Kirby Smart's response to all of this I think works really well in the midst of this conversation here right now of more disrespect from ESPN y'all listen to the coach kind of telling Reese Davis how it is I don't know if you know this or not but I I committed the atrocity of voting you number two in the preseason poll with the simple caveat I just want to see the quarterback play and I think you have the best roster and if he plays well I'll probably move you back to number one and your entire fan base they they act as if I said you were going to go seven and five. You realize what you've yeah, done? I know, yeah. No, I, I don't know that. I don't know. I think I think they would feel that way regardless. I don't know that I've done that. I think uh, fans uh, are passionate, especially in the southeast, about everybody. You could have put anybody you put two, they'll say they should have been one, right? If you put Ohio State two, they should have been one. Alabama two, they should have been one. I mean, it doesn't matter who you put there. They'll always argue that their team is the best. That's what makes college football and this podcast even watched. So people care and they're passionate about it. But I'm not going to lose any sleep over any of it because I'm, I'm a lot more worried about eating off the floor than I am uh, where we're put preseason. So Kirby Smart says, yeah, I'm not going to lose any sleep over this. But that doesn't mean that Georgia fans can't be a little ornery about that. Because did you catch this at the beginning of that clip? Reese Davis is going on and on in his sort of melodramatic way about the fact that Georgia fans dared to notice his ludicrous pick of Michigan over Georgia as preseason number one. Georgia fans dared to notice that. And somehow that hurt Reese Davis's feelings. Now he's telling on Georgia fans to Kirby Smart, hey, your fans are being mean to me. <laughs> did you notice the sort of deadpan, kind of low-energy way Kirby Smart's like, yeah, I didn't know that. It, it, he sort of says that at the beginning of that clip there. It's one of those things, uh, I'm not really quite so sure what you're talking about or why you're telling me this. <laughs> he sort of got that from uh, Kirby Smart there. Not all this is sort of joking and in, and in good fun. But I think it's fairly obvious from the beginning of that clip that that maybe Kirk, uh, Kirby Smart's look, listening to Reese Davis like, 
How come you did pick Michigan number one? How come you are talking bad about our team right now? Hard to know that for sure, but but the tone's a little different from Kirby Smart there at the beginning of that than uh, perhaps perhaps it would be in the rest of that answer. But then later on, or, or just a couple seconds after that, uh, Kirby, and this is all in a joking way, just sort of having some fun, but in light of the fact that that Reese doesn't have, have Georgia as his preseason number one right now in this interview, and I'll put a link to the interview we post the show later on, the worldfamousdognation.com, Kirby Smart kind of got a little jab in there it's just a joke he's just having fun but on behalf of all georgia fans who'd like to take their own verbal jabs the espn folks right now kirby smart did you a favor last week and he did that at least to reese davis so take a listen to this it is because reese went to alabama by the way kirby i think you know oh, that no, so. it's always <laughs> we know that. that's that's where we know, we know he's a oh come on now <laughs> <laughs> Kirby Smart called Reese Davis a homer because he went to Alabama, which is just a joke. He's just doing it in fun. But good to know that 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 Kirby Smart having a chance right there in front of an ESPN dude uh, chose to stick up for UGA. And listen, we did this all a year ago, and we're going to do it here for 2023 there as well. If you pick against Georgia, Georgia fans are going to notice. And listen, if you're right, then on this show at least, we will admit that you did. But we're going to hold on to these receipts because we believe, and we're on the record about this, that Georgia is going to go for three and 23 they're going to win 15 more here this year and the idea that the entire espn group uh picked alabama win the sec that's going to look just as silly as the entire espn cast a year ago picking tennessee to beat georgia in november or the desmond howard by the way more on him in a moment the desmond howard playoff picks from a year ago which looked like something out of 1976 that we think that graphic of a clean sweep for alabama is going to look just as silly as some of these other predictions that uh espn's made in recent years and it all seems to go one way for whatever reason it all seems to go one way always against georgia no matter how wrong these media types end up being including these folks there from espn so kirby smart's joking when he calls reese davis a homer but joking at the expense of espn to Georgia fans right now, that seems like a pretty good idea. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella, window and door of Georgia. We are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us live on video across all platforms at 10 a.m., radio, of course, with our friends on 960 The Ref, podcast, wherever you find them. We're just glad you find us and you're part of our program here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Pella, window and door of Georgia, who make it all possible for you there as well. Energy efficient windows and doors could not matter more. A lot of stormy weather right now. Big storm in my house last night. And when that wind is blowing and the rain's picking up and all that debris flying around, the last thing you want is any of that kind of getting in where it's not supposed to be or, uh, you know, wintertime thing about like the drafty condition things like that that's what properly sealed windows efficient doors that's what that does it kind of keeps the energy on the inside of your house where it's supposed to be it also looks great on the outside there as well and this is one of those things that year after year and survey after survey homeowners in our market area they have recognized Pella window and door of georgia as the true as the true brand leader we say that Pella windows and doors are viewed to be the best and that's not just a slogan that really is a reflection of how, of their position in the marketplace with those who kind of know that sort of thing the most so if you're in the market and you need to consider new windows new doors and you perhaps you probably do it could be time and i believe it is time for you to have a conversation with one of the pella experts to kind of walk through this entire process here right now now it's not a pressure consultation they're not pushing you on something they're not, they're not trying to move you in any direction they just want to educate you about why the pella windows and doors are the best 
and what they can do for you to improve your curb appeal, perhaps increase your resale value, all the things that that could be coming your way with a decision to get the, the wonderful quality doors that Pella windows and doors are all about. So you can do it in person. You can do it virtually. You can go stop by and see them. Their experience center there in Duluth. You can also take advantage of great savings now because between now and June 3rd, I should say September 30th. This is September 30th. I don't know where June came from. September 30th, you can get 10% off your entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months. Just simply find them online, PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation. Or give them a call, 678 638 1429. That's 678-638-1429. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, coming up in a couple of minutes, I'm going to give you a reminder about a big event we have coming up with Dog Nation here this week that we want you to be a part of. We'll talk more about that. Our buddy John Stinchcomb stops by there as well. But prior to all of that, let's go around the doghouse. And, you know, one of the things you heard from Reese Davis there a moment ago in talking about not having Georgia number one, and talking about ranking Michigan ahead. And I think Davis speaks for a lot of people of exactly what does Georgia have right now going on at the quarterback position? Can Carson Beck step in and fill the shoes of Stetson Bennett? Now, we've laughed many times before about some of these blowhards who are like, Georgia can't win a national championship because of Stetson Bennett. Now shifting gears to Georgia can't win a national championship without Stetson Bennett. Both you know, opinions, I think, are similarly ludicrous. And the fact that they're like, you know, contradictory makes them even more uh, just insane, frankly. But Georgia fans have kind of just kind of gotten used to the idea that there is a new quarterback at the helm here. And there is a certain, you know, want to believe, want to see it before you believe it from some of the media out there about exactly what Carson Beck brings to the table, which in a roundabout way, I think puts some pressure on Carson to kind of step in and make sure this Georgia offense hums along at such an impressive you know clip this year the same way it has for the last couple of years i i do think the byproduct of all of this is is that when you look back on the uh last two georgia national championships uh, as a way of kind of selling you know what needs to happen this year i do think appropriately the georgia offense has been reconsidered and you know certainly the 2021 team historic defense but the offense ranked among the nation's best it didn't get credit for that then but it was true uh georgia comes back and has a similar level of success last season all of a sudden a lot of folks treated the georgia offense and instead of sets and Bennett in particular as oh he's just way better or this georgia offense is way better this year than it was a year ago so, uh, statistically speaking it was actually pretty similar but it just sort of gets more credit in 2022 than it does in 2021 but either way the reconsidering of that the proper I think appreciation being shown for the Georgia offense sets the stage for Carson Beck to now feel big shoes as he steps in as the Georgia starter here this year. But embracing that pressure is something that Carson Beck apparently is very much ready for. And he talked about that last week, getting a chance to speak to reporters after being named. The Georgia starting quarterback says that Kirby Smart has done one thing in particular to make sure when the pressure comes of being the Georgia starting quarterback, he's more than ready to handle it. This is good stuff from Carson Beck on how Kirby Smart's preparing him to handle the pressure that's coming his way. Take a listen to this. I definitely embrace it. Kirby makes it super challenging in practice. You know, he applies pressure every single day. Our defense applies pressure. Obviously, there's pressure. There's always going to be pressure. But I think we do a good job at, you know, putting ourselves in situations where once we do get out on the field that it's just like another day in practice. I think that's really interesting that Carson Beck says 
there is pressure to be the Georgia starting quarterback. There's pressure to go for three and 23, but there has been pressure to emerge in a quarterback competition that included a former five-star like Brock Vandegrift and an up-and-coming potential rising star maybe one day like Gunnar Stockton. There was pressure to even win the starting quarterback job. And performing against the Georgia defense every day and not getting embarrassed during practice because I'm facing the best defense I'll face all season long, there's pressure associated with that too. And so as Beck alludes to, and we would certainly understand how this could be true, the actual pressure of playing in the real games come this fall could be less just simply because of what you've had to endure and go through to even emerge in this role and in this spot. I think that's pretty interesting from Carson Beck to lay it out the way that he did. The other thing from Beck that I want to play for you here for a moment because I do think this speaks to kind of some of the stuff that Kirby Smart talked about a little earlier. Smart said, hey, we've got newcomers in bigger roles here this year. Their motivation is easily understood. They want to put their own fingerprints on a national championship trophy because the last two you know, championship trophies, they may have the ring, but they didn't have the moments. The moments belong to a Stetson Bennett who's no longer here, to a Jordan Davis or a Jalen Carter or a Trayvon Walker or a Devontae Wyatt or a Nicobe Dean, guys who are no longer here. They may have gotten the ring, but they didn't have the moment. Well, now for Carson Beck, this has a chance to be his moment and the idea of embracing not just being a part of a national championship team, but being the leader of that team as the starting quarterback, you better believe that's something that makes a, that means a lot to him that 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 matters to him that makes a big difference to him to be able to be in this spot here this year and once again he talked about that last week take a listen to this well obviously you know it's it's different to be a part of a national championship team and actually win a national championship you know so when i was in high school i mean we won the state championship obviously i was the the guy at that time and you know that's an amazing feeling you know it's, i haven't done that in a long time you know hopefully i can replicate that So listen, when I hear Carson Beck talk, what I hear is a guy who just sort of sounds like he's ready. And even though Georgia is my pick to win the national championship, I believe they're going to go 15-0 and go for three and 23. I'll also acknowledge it's not going to be easy. And as I've said now many times, it's not going to be easy in ways that are not easy to predict. Some sort of thing is going to happen over the course of the next several months, the next 15 games. That's sort of unforeseen. A game like Missouri a year ago that rises up and more challenging than we initially would have thought. Some sort of injury scenario, whether it be the current running back injury or, or, or something else you know, on down the line. Something's going to occur that creates some adversity that Georgia's going to have to respond to. So while Georgia is my pick to win the national championship, I'm here to acknowledge that it's not going to be easy. But what you feel like you like about Georgia right now is is that guys seem as ready for this moment as they possibly could be. Carson Beck said in that interview uh, this past week that go back to 2021, ultimately he wasn't quite so sure he was ready back then. And Kirby Smart's acknowledged that too. He had the skill set, he had the talent, but he just wasn't ready to be a quarterback in 2021. All of a sudden now we're talking about almost September of 2023. It's a different version of Carson Beck now than it was then. A guy more ready to handle all this. You certainly get the impression that that is true. And that is around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia Today. Now, before we get ready to do a Marlowe's Tavern insider update with John Stinchcomb, I also want to remind you, speaking of Marlowe's Tavern, we have an unbelievable event coming up on Thursday. Our newest show around Dog Nation is called the Dog Nation Happy Hour. It's presented by Marlowe's Tavern. And this week, we're going to do a very special happy hour broadcast 
live from the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. We're all going to get together at 5 p.m. for like a true traditional happy hour. It'll be relaxed. It'll be laid back. We'll just be hanging out and having a good time. And then at 6 p.m., we're going to do a live broadcast of our newest show hosted by Kaylee Manziel. Normally, it airs at 7 p.m. Going to air at 6 p.m. there on Thursday. That's going to be a lot of fun. And, y'all, we want to see you out there for the Marlowe's Happy Hour at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven starting at 5 p.m. for happy hour. The actual happy hour broadcast begins at 6 p.m. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait to see you there. Now, before we're done, for all the bad stuff that ESPN said about Georgia this past weekend, one of their guys said something very complimentary about at least one Georgia player, although it kind of comes from a little bit of a weird place. We'll see if we can figure out what that means uh, before we're done today there as well. But for now, everything about Georgia starting the 2023 season and the go for three and 23 mission. Let's cover it all with John Stinchcomb, the former UGL American. It's a it's a Marlowe's Tavern uh, insider update with John Stinchcomb here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Marlowe's Tavern insider update with John Stinchcomb, and uh, always glad to have the former UGA All-American on board with us. And, you know, John, we just get a chance to hear from uh, the new Georgia starting quarterback, Carson Beck, right there. And I think the thing that I keep coming back to with Carson is, is when you hear him last week, when you've heard him now a few times, he, to me, just comes across as a much more mature young man than he would have been at any point in time prior to this in his Georgia career. You can maybe make a case that a lack of maturity, a lack of ability to kind of handle that moment back in September of 2021 may have kept him from getting a start back then. Talent-wise, Kirby Smart's alluded to the fact that he seemed to sort of have it, but maybe the intangible part of that they just weren't quite so sure about. Well, it's in some of those intangible qualities that I kind of feel like I – I feel like I noticed some growth there in Carson Beck. How ready do you think he is for what's about to happen, changing his life here over the course of the next few months as he gets scrutinized and looked at and talked about in a way that he's never had at any point to his life prior to this? You think Carson's ready for all that? <laughs> Without question. I think the years of experience being a part of a program that's played at such a high level, uh, despite the fact that he hasn't been in the driver's seat, he's been able to – compete against those same characters that led the team to a national championship. He's been able to see what it's taken firsthand uh, to win at the very highest levels, at the brightest, with the brightest of lights on the best of stages that there are, and knows what the bar is that you have to clear with his performance and has been working diligently for years um, in, in that very setting. So, is there anyone, my question would be, is there anyone more prepared than Carson Beck? Obviously, he doesn't have the game experience, and that's where uh, you point to when, when you answer that very question. But being a part of this team, being able to go up against this defense on a weekly basis um, is, is what has led him to this position and, and being ready for, for this step. Now, you have to do it once you get out there, but... I've got supreme confidence that Carson is as prepared for this moment as anybody could be that hasn't had the experience to actually get out there yet. I think that's uh, an interesting way to look at that. And I guess, John, the other thing would kind of lead me to is 
is that I talked about this last week that, you know, one of the things that Stetson Bennett provided Georgia, even if we think it's overblown, the idea that Carson Beck is incapable of replacing Stetson Bennett, the one thing he did provide is the extra dimension with his legs. That's 10 rushing touchdowns that he had a year ago that's got to be made up somehow some way and you get the challenge of the georgia running back injuries right now you know does this does that create a larger challenge for, for for carson beck at the moment knowing that there's some production with the legs that bennett provided that that you got to account for and you kind of don't really know what your running back situation is do, do those injuries at running back make the challenge for beck more significant than it otherwise would be Interesting question. Uh, I think it certainly is a factor for the entire offense that you don't have your full suite of players, particularly at a position that is uh, so vital for Georgia's offense. I mean, they, they want a balanced attack. They want to be able to threaten the defense with the way they run the ball. So that would be a challenge no matter who the quarterback is. The fact that Carson's style is not as mobile as Stetson is a factor, but uh, we've seen – there's more than one ways to, to skin a cat, right? There's uh, a number of ways that you can be efficient and effective as a quarterback that don't require you to run the ball. Because Stetson was capable of it does not mean that in perpetuity Georgia has to field a quarterback that can do both. If Carson's able to do what he does really well, which is make good decisions, get the ball out, be very accurate, um, move the offense down the field with his arm, then I don't think a single fan will have an issue that he's not a rushing threat like Stetson is. I think we, if we're going to be uh, fair and balanced, there's also times where Stetson would make decisions in throwing the ball that were questionable at best. And so, yeah, it's we look back in history and, and uh, you say, man, you know, Stetson – was able to create, and that's true. He was able to create with his legs, but you can't just see the the rose-colored glasses that everything was perfect. There was a number of times that, you know, maybe it was the decision-making that was um, slightly flawed. So he wasn't a perfect quarterback. There never has been nor will there be. And to think that uh, Carson is, is... inadequate because he doesn't offer the same mobility that Stetson had or uh, other quarterbacks had or have, I think is a flawed perception to begin with. Uh, Changing the subject here for a moment, we talked a lot before the show started about ESPN, all of the analysts on game day on Saturday, clean sweep Alabama to win the SEC. And this is very similar Mm -hmm. to conversations that have been going on all summer long. Georgia fans don't like this. I think they have every right to notice that and every right to criticize that, just given how wrong picks against Georgia have turned out to be the last couple of years. Do you think it's fair for Georgia fans to be a little upset about the fact that there was so much love being shown to a team like Alabama at Georgia's expense on game day on Saturday? Are Georgia fans within their rights to be bothered by that, do you think? Absolutely. It's, it's the same question. You know, we, we're we replacing Stetson Bennett. They're replacing uh, arguably one of the best quarterbacks that they've had. So, it, you know, it, <laughs> it's so funny to me. Part of it is you're, when, you're, when you're the best and Georgia's the best, 
across the country, they're looking for flaws. Like, here's what would prevent you from a three-peat. For other teams, they're saying, here's why they can unseed uh, or unseat the champ, right? Here's here's why we think they could be good. It's, so the perception's totally different. It's like uh, having a first-round draft pick that um, – you know, you're excited about, but here's what could keep them from being elite versus a third-round pick where you're going, you know, hey, he's got these skills that we really like, right? It's the perception of it. So uh, are you, is, is you justified, are we justified as Georgia fans of going, hold up, you've slighted a very, very talented team, one that knows how to win games and, you know, the cupboards are not bare. Sure, we lost players. We did that a year ago. We proved to the world um, what Coach Smart and his staff and the uh, culture that's been created at Georgia and the ability to, to keep highly talented players in-house and develop those skills, how that translates to, to success. So there's a proven track record there. Is there a right to be offended? You better believe it. Um, or or, or S, uh, ESPN and other analysts, uh, entitled to their own opinions, yes. But as we've proven many, many times, uh, a lot of those are <laughs> just smoke, right? It's they're they're wrong, and I think there's a lot of justification for Georgia fans to say there's still more to to prove. And I'm sure that's a a drum that Coach Smart and his staff continue to beat. We saw that last year when. You know, there, there was some commentary from players of trying to overcome some of the expectations that were just unrealistic. And, you know, that's always a, a good motivator is feeling like you have something to prove. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I hear from Georgia fans on this, John, is they don't like it when these picks are illogical. They don't get the feelings hurt just because somebody doesn't believe Georgia's going to win the national championship. But as you pointed out a moment ago, you know, a guy like Reese Davis, who I, you know, generally speaking, kind of like, he's going to say, well, Georgia can't be preseason number one because I want to see the quarterback. And yet Alabama clean sweep to win the SEC. And yet their quarterback situation is far muddier right now than Georgia's yep. is. Carson Beck's been at Georgia since 2020. Alabama went out and pulled Notre Dame's number three quarterback, put him on the roster. Jalen Milrow started games for Alabama a year ago. Bama fans themselves weren't impressed. Ty Simpson, apparently that you know recruiting ranking was greatly inflated because he hasn't lifted his finger one time in this competition the best that we can tell that that there's a certain illogic to well georgia is going to be data because the quarterback situation but alabama has right now on paper a worse quarterback situation but that doesn't seem to come up in that conversation i think you understand where georgia fans are coming from that right yeah and, and that's where i'm coming from if we're going to even the scales and say well here's why georgia can't Right? Why wouldn't you do the same for every other team? And uh, the answer is because it doesn't uh, get more spectators. Right? Part of it. This is the entertainment business, and there it becomes an old story when it's all Georgia. And Georgia can lose, and and I think Georgia fans recognize that. But so can every other team that's out there. And when we're projecting, you want to look at. Uh, each team with an unbiased eye as much as possible. 
And so if you're going to say one of the biggest critiques for Georgia is they've got to replace a, a talented quarterback that was very influential to their success, well, if you just substitute the, the school name from Georgia to Alabama, that very much applies. And uh, I agree with you, and I agree with Bulldog Nation to say that I think our quarterback situation is much clearer, and we feel very confident that uh, we, we're going to be in good hands. And right now, it, it's Carson Beck. If it weren't, if it were another quarterback that we have, Vandergriff or Gunner, then it's because they've earned it, and it's because the competition is high and made each, each one of those players play to a, to a very high level especially against the defense they see on a daily basis. So what we're asking for is an even scale. If we're going to evaluate teams, if you're going to look across the country and say, here's why they can and here's why they can't, let's make that an even evaluation. And I'm not sure that Georgia's gotten that, but maybe it's unrealistic to expect that from some of the national media. Got more with John Stinchcomb coming up in just a moment. Let me also remind you that this is a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. And while you can't necessarily be our Dog Nation Insider, that's what John Stinchcomb does, you can become a Marlowe's Tavern Insider. And trust me when I tell you, the benefits for doing so for you are going to be outstanding because you're going to get a big incentive even just for signing up. That's right, you're going to get $10 off your $30 food and beverage purchase there at Marlowe's Tavern just for signing up to be a part of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. Then after that, you start earning what are known as qualified visits. And when you get these qualified visits, that's going to give you the chance to also pick up even more uh, benefits after that. Because here's how it works. So when you spend at least $15 on food or beverage there at Marlowe's Tavern, that's a qualified visit. Now, when you get four of those qualified visits, then you're going to receive a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit. So it is as simple as that at the Marlowe's Tavern, including the one right there at your neighborhood. You get special offers on your birthday there as well. There's no cost for all of this. It's just a fun thing you can sign up for on the Marlowe's app or online at Marlowe's tavern.com that's marlowe's tavern.com great to have them as a part of our insider update here on dog nation daily here today okay john so to wrap this conversation up i kind of want to ask you a two-part deal here i want to look at georgia both from an external standpoint and an internal standpoint starting with the external part of this who do you see as the biggest threat to georgia we laugh about alabama but perhaps they are the biggest threat not on the regular season schedule but in a possible sec championship or college football playoff game maybe it is alabama or maybe it's lsu or maybe it is this mighty michigan team that the media seems to love or perhaps it's ohio state they played georgia close a a year ago when you look at these possible contenders to georgia if you had to guess who do you think the biggest threat to georgia is right now (laughs) <laughs> the biggest threat to Georgia is Georgia. I think staying healthy, making sure we have the our guys out on the field is, is paramount. It's first and foremost. Uh, regular season, obviously, it's Tennessee. It, it's hard to even project in the SEC championship because I think LSU is very much improved and, and a real threat. So for Alabama, they don't have that luxury to – and Georgia doesn't either, really, which just us, right? Media can say, all right, we can go ahead and project the SEC East. I can't, you don't, I don't think you can do that as easily on the West. I think, uh, there's, there's two very talented teams that, um, 
are going to have to battle it out and unsure how that sorts itself out. Same thing with Michigan and Ohio State. One of those teams will emerge, I would imagine, with uh, as as that top threat. So overall, there's there's probably three spaces that uh, if you're a Georgia fan and you're you're keeping the national title perspective in your scope that you're going to watch throughout the year is who's coming out of the West. Is it LSU or is it Alabama? And and who is able to represent the the Big Ten up there? Is it Michigan or Ohio State? So really, I think before the season starts, those are the teams that are circled. Um, but there's so much football to be played, right? All of the football has yet to be played unless you're um, Bandy and Hawaii, which what a riveting game that was. So uh, just looking forward, there's there's some, you know, as, as parity has kind of gone to the wayside, there are teams that have realistic chances that before you even start the season, um, and, and all of the ones that have been named are a part of that group. And there's others that will probably um, start to matriculate and, and – move towards the top as we sift through, but certainly that's where you direct your eyes before we even start. And then the quick follow-up, you mentioned the internal challenge of, you know, and, and the first thing you said was injuries. Now, if Kirby was sitting here based on what he said in the past, maybe the first thing he would say is fighting against that complacency. You know, what is the biggest internal issue that Georgia will battle as it tries to go out and win this national championship all over again? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's injuries. I, I mean, obviously, complacency is, is something that uh, they are focused on, they're aware of. There's been an entire, uh, I don't know, mental approach, if you will, that Coach Smart and his staff has taken to fight against. And I think that's the right approach, uh, especially when, you know, anytime in sports, I, I've been a part of championship teams and, um, after that championship, there's almost a, a, a natural feeling of complacency that we've figured this out. We know we know how to do it. We've been in these battles, but yet no one else cares. And you start right now at the season as the season begins. Everyone has no wins and lo- no losses, and, and hope springs eternal. And all those games that you fought, no one cares about anymore. It's it's a whole new day. And so complacency is part of it. But what's the number one thing that I think can keep Georgia from reaching those goals of, of hoisting the trophy at the end of the year for a third straight time? It's injuries. I think if, if Georgia's able to stay healthy, uh, obviously they have a much better chance, but it's a realistic one. It's one that every other team is, is still chasing after what Georgia has and the threat to – uh, that would prevent that from happening is mostly internal. And that's just being able to, to stay healthy and, and keeping the, all your guys out on the field as much as possible. John, such an interesting conversation. We appreciate you being a part of with us here today as part of a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Thank you for your time. Enjoy the games as we head towards the weekend, and we will look forward to talking to you here on Dog Nation Daily again very soon. I appreciate it. Go dogs! Can't wait. We actually have football this weekend. Hey, I can't wait myself. I cannot wait, John. Appreciate it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. A lot of very compelling stuff from John, and I agree with a lot of what he said there at the end. 
to be honest with you, and I think I've probably alluded to this before, I think sometimes we overstate the role of motivation in football, whether it be, oh, Kirk Herbstreet saying Alabama's motivated because nobody believes them, or you know, us believing that Georgia's motivated because everybody now does believe in Alabama and they've all picked them to win the national championship. I blame Nick Saban for this. So much can be blamed on Saban, but I blame uh, Nick Saban for this. He's the one that started the rap poison conversation years ago. I think it has kind of tarnished the overall college football conversation because sometimes it sort of feels like everything just sort of devolves into a, which side has the most rat poison or which side has the whatever. And ultimately, I think that the actual recipe for winning a game is less about motivation than it is about preparation, that preparing your team to win and and uh, how strong your game plan is, how developed your players are. Ultimately, that probably supersedes the motivation part of that, I do think. All things being equal, a little extra motivation never hurts, and that's why Kirby Smart kind of talks about complacency and all that kind of stuff. So I don't deny it being a nice seasoning to kind of dust on top. I don't deny that it's a nice, you know, kind of extra thing to kind of put into the mix. But ultimately, games are not won by motivation. They're won by preparation. And that's why I think it was so frustrating to so many of us that uh, that that clean sweep against Georgia by the ESPN folks is is because, you know, even if it does give Georgia, you know, kind of a little extra motivation here, ultimately it's just a it's just a misevaluation. I mean, it's just a misevaluation. I mean, maybe Alabama will win it. But the idea that it's unanimous, you know, from all these guys at ESPN, there just sort of seems to be a little bit of a disconnect with the kind of the sport we all kind of follow on a regular basis for a lot of folks who just got back from Europe or wherever it was they're vacationing all summer, kind of just sort of swooping in. All of a sudden, now they're just sort of firing off takes left and right. A little bit of a disconnect for those of us who've been here all year long. Uh, I'll just leave that at that. Now, we'll also get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, speaking of great vacations. And I can't wait to have my own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, hopefully coming up sometime soon. Uh, it's kind of funny. I... um. Uh, my kids were kind of giving me a hard time this weekend. They're like, Daddy, when are we going to go on a cruise again? I was like, well, to be honest, I'm not quite so sure yet. We're still trying to figure all that out. Uh, but can I give you an idea that I'm not the only one in my family who kind of has cruise-itis a little bit? Uh, I enjoy taking them. My kids are like, well, we're ready to be back on a, a cruise again here soon, too. So uh, Royal Caribbean, hopefully in 2024, we'll have a few chances to be on board, but uh, still waiting to kind of figure all that out. But guess what? You got your chance right now, too. Jessica Slater's a great travel agent. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, Slater dreamvacations.com talk to her about the debut of icon in the season january the debut of utopia the season coming up in july three night four night sailing seven night sailings going to perfect day coco k all of the fun stuff that royal caribbean's famous for you can get your plans for that as we head towards 2024 great time to do all of that all right so we've got more on Georgia here in a moment. But first, let me do a couple of SEC-centric type things here, starting off with a recapping week zero. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts on the kind of pick stuff. Um, on the one hand, I was pretty happy that I resisted the temptation to take Vanderbilt week one in their game against, or I should say week zero in Hawaii against Hawaii. We saw a year ago, Vandy just totally dominated the uh, Rainbow Warriors out on the island. And when you saw the point spread for this game was very similar to what the point spread was a year ago. 
easy to think they're in the game in Nashville that, that Vanderbilt would just walk all over Hawaii again. But when it looks too easy, it oftentimes is. So we resisted that temp- temptation to make Hawaii a pick this past weekend. We kind of got that right. Uh, also, we were all over a dominant Notre Dame win against uh, Navy. We'll give you more on that in a moment. But admittedly, the two picks that we did give out on Friday, though, uh, they did not turn out so well that uh, we liked the under in the Vanderbilt-Hawaii game. That did not cash. We liked the under in the USC in San Jose State game. That did not cash. Uh, I should have to get on my knees and beg all of you for forgiveness for ever believing in the USC defense to do anything to keep a game under a total. What a what a sham that was, both me making the pick and USC there on the field. Now, as far as the point totals and things like that, we were kind of curious to see how the new clock rules impacted a lot of this kind of stuff. So some people have run the numbers. I saw one of the guys from ESPN had this. There were, I believe he reported this, Bill Connolly from ESPN, 8% fewer plays on average in the week zero games. But the actual game runtime length was only 1% shorter. So there was 8% less football, but only 1% less runtime for the game. Now, you already know what replaced the football. 8% less football, but the game was only 1% shorter. So how come? That's because they're stuffing those commercials in there. In other words, these clock rules that keep the clock running after first downs this ain't for us this is not for fans and this is not for players this isn't for any of that this is for tv so they can jam more commercials down our throat and yeah the some of the powers that be will sort of sell this as a player safety measure and when the season's done after a long season you will have played less plays which results you know almost feels like you know you know perhaps a you know a shorter season because the games themselves have a, a lot less plays but you already know that's just something they made up to make up for the fact they're going to stuff more commercials down our throat so if you like the clock rules you're not paying attention they're not meant for you to like they're meant for the tv executives to like and they're worthy of nothing but your scorn so from from that standpoint we had less football but we didn't have shorter games at least not much shorter so just sort of keep that in mind i guess as far as the action itself goes, one of the things I can, had kind of been saying for a while, and I believe Week Zero validated this to a certain point, for all the talk about the transfer quarterbacks, and this year in FBS football, 60% of all the expected starters are former transfers. But the actual truth we believed was that this year would maybe be known for the quarterbacks that didn't transfer, or at least didn't transfer to national championship-level programs. Sam Hartman left Wake Forest. He did transfer, but he didn't go to Alabama. He didn't go to Ohio State. He didn't go to one of these programs that could perhaps have won a national championship or at least made the college football playoff had he gone there. He went to Notre Dame. And I know Notre Dame blew out Navy and Ireland. They're going to still lose two or three games here this year. But you saw from Hartman playing for Notre Dame, this is a good quarterback. It's a different offense for him. He's been running that kind of slow mesh thing with Dave Clawson there at Wake Forest. He's doing something different now at Notre Dame. Uh, but he looked like a very capable quarterback against an overmatched Navy team on Saturday. And you're left to wonder, what if Hartman actually wanted – to be a part of a playoff race what if he had gone to a place like Alabama or a place where he would have had a chance to kind of be a kingmaker a bit and give a team that needed a quarterback the quarterback perhaps it needed to get him over the top we'll never know that for sure it's a little bit like Drake May staying at North Carolina or some of the other things that went on but I'm sure there were a lot of teams watching Sam Hartman at Notre Dame on Saturday who is you know 
kind of a top 15 team at best, maybe bottom part of the top 10, but not a real playoff contender, I don't believe. I'm sure a lot of teams who think they can be real playoff contenders are probably wondering, I wonder what our offense would have looked like if Sam Hartman was playing for us. I think you couldn't help but at least wonder that. Uh, I mentioned Vanderbilt a moment ago, kind of a slugfest game against Hawaii, kind of fun to watch, kind of back and forth here a little bit. But the game was obviously marred by the conditions of the stadium outside where you got like that hanging video board hung by a crane that thing's flowing in the wind obviously the end zones are all torn up Vanderbilt couldn't get their stadium renovations done in time it's total embarrassment and it's just a reminder that Vanderbilt's very good at taking checks from the SEC but seemingly incapable of doing anything to contribute to the SEC including being ready to go for a week zero game against Hawaii and you already know this like in the future you're kind of led to believe as the compensation model for players probably expands some that there's going to be less and less pretense about these players being students at all and in the future especially for football there's likely to be less and less connection between the team and the school itself there may be a licensing fee paid back to the school in some form or fashion but you know the players if they ever do become employees they won't be employees of the school there's title nine implications associated with that they're likely to be employees of the conference or some other entity that's running uh college football teams there at that particular time and so at that point in time i mean the teams will have barely any connection to the school and so a lot of these academic you know programs like uh northwestern uh which has its own issues uh stanford cal who may by the way still be joining the acc after what seemed to be like a dead rumor there for a while but the point is a lot of these academic you know type programs have really gotten off easy over the years because they brought some academic prestige to the conferences and there's nothing these university presidents love more than rubbing their shoulders with you know fancy academic types um makes them feel good to be hanging out with the vanderbilt folks but in the future when academics matters less and less you kind of wonder well is there still a place in the sec for a program like vanderbilt there at that point in time if there's going to be my advice to them was figure out how to get your stadium ready you know figure out how to be ready to go when the season begins you've had all summer to get ready for this that would be my advice to vanderbilt Uh, i'll also mention this about usc that defense just is not getting any better nor will it ever get any better and i think that lincoln riley to me is a fascinating figure it's fairly obvious in my mind that riley ran from the chance to be in the sec did not want to stay at oklahoma because oklahoma is joining the sec didn't want to take the lsu job even though rumored to be lsu threw tons and tons of money at him lsu spends big to hire big name coaches riley would have been a candidate uh riley went way out west to usc because he didn't want any part of the sec riley's kind of finesse version of football just does not play down here in this part of the country and you know for a good while there on saturday if you could even find the game on television the thing that you realize was hey they're doing all they can just to beat san jose state because they're making it very easy for san jose state on offense some of the film by the way you may have seen from bear alexander not exactly going to be on his highlight reel either uh you're led to uh you know left to conclude the point here is is that not only does lincoln riley's act not play down here in the sec and will never get usc into a college football playoff conversation at that, at that kind of pillow soft level that he's currently playing i gotta tell you i don't think that works in the big 10 either it definitely doesn't work in the sec and it definitely doesn't feel like a team that can make the college football playoff and have any success when they got there and even though i'm not the world's biggest fan of the big 10 next year usc is going to be in the big 10 that act is not going to play against big 10 teams either what would michigan do to usc i mean seriously i mean 
what would Michigan do to that team? And for all you want to say about Ohio State and some of the stuff that goes on there, they at least play more. Even the bad version of Ohio State defensive from two years ago, it's still more defense than what uh, USC plays. So part of me wonders, Lincoln Riley wanted no part of the SEC. Does Lincoln Riley want to coach in the Big Ten? Because you can't coach like that even in the Big Ten. You definitely couldn't do that in the SEC. But I don't even think that works in the Big Ten either, to be completely honest with you. Now, shifting gears to uh, week one, I think there's a handful of very interesting games, and we're going to spend a lot of time this week talking about it. Uh, Obviously, the Florida-Utah thing is going to be dominated by the Utah quarterback. That point spread, the last I checked, now down to a touchdown, seven points. It's gone from like 11 down to seven. The Utah quarterback situation driving that line down. So we'll see what that means for the Gators as they go, lousy, stinking Gators, as they go out to Salt Lake later on this week. I think North Carolina, South Carolina is a ton of fun. If South Carolina wins, I think it sets up a top 25 matchup in Athens in a couple of weeks when the Gamecocks come calling. That could be kind of a cool vibe. Possibility, I believe, if you look at the rest of the schedule. Somebody mentioned this to me. I forgot who said this. If you look at the rest of the schedule, uh, uh, there's a chance that that game day uh, could be, uh, you know, there for the georgia south carolina game so so there's some there's some energy possibly to be had for georgia south carolina but beating uh unc would be a step towards that for the gamecocks the florida state lsu game remember that's a sunday in orlando mason smith's ncaa suspension by the way uh reports coming out of baton rouge i'd heard this last week and then some reports started coming out that lsu tried to move its game with grambling to week zero so mason smith could serve the suspension there as opposed to um the game against florida state so Maybe he is healthy enough to play. I told you last week that I thought some of this may be injury-related, that LSU should be losing its mind. I thought if um, if Mason Smith truly was healthy and somehow the NCAA was stepping in, but apparently this suspension's real and LSU has tried to fight it to no avail here. I, I mean, I just find this to be one of the most egregious miscarriages of justice of all time. I'm not an LSU fan, but I mean, what if George was playing Clemson in 2021 and Jordan Davis was suspended for the game for something he had done two years ago, something that's not even illegal anymore, or at least against the rules anymore. We would be, we'd be doing a ten-hour show, doing nothing but just sort of screaming into the void. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised LSU isn't losing its mind about about this more than it is, but nonetheless, uh, we're watching that closely. So some of the fun stuff to do there for uh, for week one. It's going to be a uh, going to be a good time. We're going to be talking about a lot here this week, and for now, we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, I've got a couple more notes for you before we wrap up today. But before we do that, let me also give a shout-out to our friends at Dr. Pepper. Had a great time uh, with some folks from Dr. Pepper this past week. We hung out a little bit there on Thursday, snuck away from work for a little bit, and that was a uh, fun time. And when you want to have your own fun time, great chance to do that right now with Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream or Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream Zero Sugar, brand-new permanent flavor offering from our friends at Dr. Pepper. And as you're getting ready to get stocked up for tailgating season or all kinds of fun stuff here this fall dr pepper strawberries and cream dr pepper strawberries and cream zero sugar is going to taste great listen nothing we associate with college football more than dr pepper that's just the fact they've been a big part of our college football lives for a long time whether it's fansville commercials or anything like that uh we know how much dr pepper loves college football and we know how much college football fans love dr pepper y'all know i do i've got dr pepper right down here on the floor waiting for me just as soon as this show is done so that's what i love and you're gonna love it too when you try it so stop by your local kroger or wherever you do your grocery shopping and you can pick yourself up some dr pepper strawberries and cream or Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream, 
zero sugar. All right, so a couple of things here. I mentioned weird, weird uh, chatter coming out of ESPN. On the one hand, the entire ESPN uh, panel of hosts on College Game Day this past weekend, they all picked Alabama win the SEC. You had a handful not pick Georgia to make the college football playoff, including uh, Desmond Howard, who is wrong about everything and in spectacular fashion all the time. And yet there is at least one time in Desmond's life when some of us are going to hope he's not wrong about this because Howard did predict uh, Brock Bowers to win the Heisman Trophy. Now, I love the fact that Bowers is finally getting some love because I feel like for a while, you know, Bowers probably wasn't getting the attention that he deserved. This summer, we've seen a big about face on that. Bowers has finally been getting his just due as one of the very best players in this entire country. So nice that Desmond Howard at least read somebody else who uh, said something nice about, uh, you know, Bowers and Howard decided to jump on all of that. I'll show you this on the screen here. Uh, somebody shared this. Uh, uh, Trevor uh, Woodworth writes this, that Desmond Howard had his first good take in a long time. He picked Brock Bowers with the Heisman this year. He says, I can get on board with that. Trevor, I agree with you. And then you see the screen down there. Uh, Brock Bowers to win the Heisman Trophy. That was Desmond's uh, preseason pick. But here's the question you got to ask. How is it that Georgia is going to not win the SEC, not make the college football playoff? Desmond Howard says both those things would be true. And yet somehow going to have a tight end win the Heisman Trophy. Like how, like how could all those things be true within the same world? It seems kind of hard to imagine. But I guess you'll take the good with the bad there on all that. So uh, Desmond Howard... Uh, picks against Georgia in terms of its season success, but picks Brock Bowers to win the the Heisman Trophy. Doesn't quite seem like how those two opinions could live on the same planet with each other, but nonetheless, that was the uh, news that kind of came out there on that. But but nonetheless, uh, a lot of Georgia fans having fun at ESPN's expense, and we don't have much of a problem with that. Now, one more thing to mention, and this is important, another very big performance from Jake Fromm in the conclusion of the Washington Commanders preseason campaign we're gonna have jake on the show here this week but i want to show you this stat line from from really very good from jake um how about 13 of 18 72 percent completion percentage 144 yards two touchdown had a passer rating of 132.6 i think that jake has done everything that one can to put himself in position to be on that commander's active roster and that's what we hope happens for him I, I just believe that he's right there in contention for that there's obviously the new rule in place that gives teams the chance to have the third quarterback on the 53-man roster that's a decision for um for the washington manners organization they got to try to figure out do they have another need somewhere and they're going to try to put jake in the practice squad obviously we hope he's on the active roster that just means i think more certainly financial compensation for him and just sort of better opportunity to perhaps you know get on the field sooner rather than later if you are the number three quarterback there so jake's had a phenomenal preseason he's earned the right to to have this chance and the best that i can tell I, i believe that he will be on the commander's active roster and boy uh you know what an accomplishment for him a great great preseason performance there in washington we're thrilled about that and we'll talk to jake about that later on this week real quick let me just also say go to dognation.com season prediction contest uh still a little bit of time to get in there make your picks for how you think the individual player performance is going to play out here this season and by doing so you could be a winner check out dognation.com for a lot more on that all right so i got a really cool thing and I want to show you this on the screen. This is really amazing. So Jason from Woodland Revival sent this to me. And he tried like heck to get this to me. I'm not always the easiest guy to track down sometimes, I'm afraid. I don't mean to be. That's just kind of the way that it goes. But how about this beautiful piece of woodwork here? The Dog Nation Daily logo, for those of you not watching on video, 
uh, made into a, just a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of wood. I mean, this is such a high quality thing. This came in the mail for me yesterday, and I was blown away by it. I could not believe it. This is amazing. Uh, he does great work. I put this out on Twitter. Uh, you can reach out uh, to Jason and and see some of the other stuff that he's done there as part of Woodland Revivals. Like, I mean, really, I mean, he kind of gave me a little bit of the details about kind of how all this came together. Great care to make it look just like our logo and using the finest wood and, and, and staining products and things like that to kind of make put it all together. I obviously don't have this kind of talent, so I don't know quite how all this comes together, but it's an amazing thing. And I want to say thank you personally here. This is really, truly a cherished keepsake for me moving forward. So I really appreciate that, Jason. He kind of sent this to us in honor of our 2000th show, and I'm I just really blown away by it. I mean, this will be something that I'll have hanging on my wall for a long time. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. And for all of you who've been with us for all of or a portion of these 2000 episodes, I certainly appreciate all that. Now, how about those lousy stinking gators and a Gatorator countdown? 61 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. That is our Gatorator countdown. We will see all of you back here tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia.